This is the EWN Podcast Network. Welcome to Late Boomers, our podcast guide to creating your third act with style, power, and impact. Hi, I'm Kathy Worthington. And I'm Mary Elkins. Join us as we bring you conversations with successful entrepreneurs, entertainers, and people with vision who are making a difference in the world. Everyone has a story, and we'll take you along for the ride on each interview, recounting the journey our guests have taken to get where they are, inspiring you to create your own path to success. Let's get started. Hello, I'm Kathy Worthington. Welcome to Late Boomers. Today we have as our guest, Karina Gardner, author of the book, Design, Profit, and Prosper, and founder and CEO of Design Suite, a surface pattern and crafting design program that teaches designers how to make money as they learn to design. Her popular podcast, Make and Design with Karina Gardner, teaches aspiring designers how to make the transition from crafter and hobbyist to profitable designer. And I'm Mary Elkins. Karina is also a well-known fabric designer and a die-cut designer. The Karina Gardner brand has been on sewing patterns, jewelry, prints, clocks, and holiday products. Her kids' brand, her kids' brand, Minnie Lou, has sold products for Nordstrom Peak Clothing and numerous independent retailers and museums throughout the U.S. Welcome, Karina. Oh my gosh! Thank you for having me. Great to have you. A pleasure. Would you tell us, please, first about your background and how it led you to the career path you're on? Career path you're on today. Uh, who and what were your biggest influences? Well, okay, so it's kind of, I think it's everybody's, but it's like the meandering road. So I was this young college student. I'd gotten married. I started a master's degree in design. My undergrad degree is in marketing. And Mm. I started in design because I wanted to be in advertising and found that Mm -hmm. I didn't really care for advertising, but I really, really liked design. Like design was fun. I was making stuff. And I wasn't sure if I was someone who could do it because I never associated myself as an artist. I never felt like I was a fantastic drawer, but I was really good at coming up with solutions for things. And when I was introduced into design, they were like, it's visual solution making. That's what you're trying Mm -hmm. to do. You're trying to convey a message. And I was like, okay, ding, I can do that. I can do that. And so I I finished my master's degree and thought maybe I would teach. I didn't really realize, you know, the path I was going to be on. Um, Every time I finished a degree, I kind of have a baby, like 10 days later kind of thing. It was a little bit crazy. And so uh, (laughs) I I had my first child after my master's degree two weeks later. And my professors came to me and said, hey, I know you weren't planning on doing this, but just so you know, you only have three classes and a dissertation left if you want to do your PhD. And I was like, well, that sounds like so easy. Okay. That's like the wrong, (laughs) that's the wrong answer. Okay. Like if when someone says three classes and dissertation, you should ask the question, how long does a dissertation take? That's the question you should ask. So I said, Uh you know what? I've got one baby. It's, I'm actually a little bit bored because I'm used to be going, going, going. And so, um, I was like, if I, if I can do this, sure, let's do it. So 
Three years later, I finished a PhD. Boom, I had another baby. In fact, yeah. I was in committee meeting and I was very, very pregnant. Like I, this baby oh. came, I think, t- 10 days after I um, I uh, went to committee and I was having contractions in the middle of this committee oh, meeting. In the committee? Oh, in the no. committee meeting. And uh, did you so tell yes, them you were? Oh, yeah, because just... it, it was impossible not to because I had to yeah, start okay. breathing and I was like over. Yeah. And they were like, wait, are you going to have your baby right now? And I was like, you guys have made this so stressful that yes, maybe I'll have this baby right now. And I was like, no, I'm going to be good. I'm still not ready. It's going to be fine. And I said, and they said, do we need to stop and re I was like, no, we are going to finish this right now. Cause otherwise I'll have this baby and I won't finish my PhD. So guess what? If you are pregnant and having contractions, they pass you. It, that's what happens in committee. They pass you. So I had about a month. <laughs> Very wise. I had yeah. a month of revisions and finished the revisions, had my second baby and um, finished my doctorate. And I loved teaching design. I, I really did like it. But I just thought, you know, I haven't actually had time to be a designer. So I started a design business. During this time, I still taught at the University of Minnesota and the Arts Institute. Those That's where I was an assistant professor in both of those areas. And then I started a design business. And at that time, digital scrapbooking was really hot. And so I decided to delve into that world and ended up in the crafting and fabric world. So this is how I kind of ended up in this one little niche that is kind of a weird niche to be in when you have a doctorate in design. But yeah, I'm in crafting and I'm in, I was the creative director of a scrapbooking company and I work now for Riley Blake doing fabrics. Uh, Silhouette is a monstrous man- manufacturer that I work for, for wow. die cutting files. Um, I've done deals with a lot of different people. I've worked with a lot of different fabric and scrapbooking and paper manufacturers. Uh, I've done videos for Michael's stores. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm pretty integrated into this interesting little niche. Mm. That's interesting because you've built your own niche. Yeah. This doesn't even exist. But also too, you were never, uh, well, you were never doing, doing this as a child. You weren't into design or crafting or anything. It just Mm -hmm. happened. I mean, I liked sewing, right? Like, so I liked sewing. So I thought fabric would be fun. I was like the eight-year-old who was breaking my mom's needles on my, her sewing machine. Cause I, I did like sewing. Um, but I was definitely self-taught. My mom made me some clothes growing up. We grew up, I wouldn't say poor, but we didn't, we didn't have a lot. Right. I mean, we just, didn't have very much. So my mom helped me make my, um, she didn't help me make my prom dress, but like my first dance dress, like we went to Joanne's, we found a pattern, we Mm -hmm. laid it out. And so, you know, my mom would sew with me. The other thing that's interesting is, so my mom is actually Chinese. My dad is white and American, but my mom's Chinese. And um, so I don't speak any Chinese, but she has a very thick accent. She's from Malaysia. She's ethnically Chinese. And so she was learning how to do it at the same time. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't like she learned from her mom how to sew these sewing patterns. She was trying to figure it out. And so the two of us were trying to figure it out together. Oh, that's great because they're all in English and they're difficult. I used to mm-hmm. sew a lot when I was in school. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. That's okay. uh, but, but so she's a huge influence on you. Yeah. My mom's mm-hmm. actually very artistic. 
So she, she loves art. Actually, my dad is as well. They're both, and I shouldn't even say artistic. Creative is a better word. I like creative a little bit better than artistic. I think a lot of people get stuck in the labels. Like they want to be an artist or a fine artist, or they feel like they can't draw. And so a lot of times I tell people like, for the most part, all of us are creative. It's just kind of how we use that creativity. And so when I found design and I realized, oh my gosh, like, programs can help me draw. Shapes can help me draw. There are things out there. There are cheats to get there. That's when I kind of embraced it. And it's so funny because I illustrate all of my fabric lines. I illustrate. And yet, you know, I really went into this going, I don't know that I'm like the best drawer. I don't know that I'm the best, you know, creative. And so um, I always tell people, Especially if you're looking for, I know this podcast, particularly you guys talk about late, you know, late careers, late things that you're working on. I, my, the people that I work with now in our design program, they are, we call them encore careers. They are people who have literally chosen in their regular career for whatever reason, they're in HR, they're attorneys, they're doctors, they're everything, admins, um, they're stay at home moms and they're ready to do the next step. And they want to do something creative because they know that life is short. They've already (laughs) done a lot of things and they're ready to embrace something that feels interesting, Mm -hmm. fulfilling, and new. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love the word encore and careers. It's it's perfect. And there's so many people, even who are younger than the second career, who would like to do that as well. And I have a question for you. I'm sure our audience would love to know how to create a business from their passions or hobbies. And I'd love to have a few pointers. Okay. I So here's the thing, because I, I really have had... I, I call it two very main businesses. My first business was creating a design business for myself. And that's what now I teach. That's my second business that we've done in the last three years, which is create a program teaching people how to do it. But my first business is what I tell everybody about because that was the thing that was hard, right? Like it was hard to start. It was um, yeah. interesting and difficult. And so the number one thing you need to do is you need to find someone who's doing exactly what you want to do and model it in some way. So if you're like, I would like to be a fabric designer, go find all the fabric designers out there and go see how they're doing it. Are they getting licensing with manufacturers? Are they selling it digitally online? Do they have Etsy shops with sewing patterns, right? So you could kind of see like the model that exists. And I can just tell you right now, fabric designers, that's what they do, right? They sell usually with a manufacturer or they have a digital online or, and they have multiple streams. So they're also selling their sewing patterns that go along with it, right? Okay. Hmm. Then there are crafters. Crafters will go. And uh, this is why I would tell someone who's like, I love making cards. I love working in paper or I love, you know, you can create two different types of shops. You can create a physical shop for yourself where you're selling the goods you make, or you can be designing new things. Like if you're willing to learn technology, like software, like Adobe software, you can sell those things online and then you don't have to ship things. Right. So, Hmm. When you're starting a business, especially one that's a creative business and you know what it is you like to do, first go model, go find the people who are doing it. Cause I promise there's someone out there doing it. And then second, you've got to really dig in, do the research. Are they making the kind of money you want to make? 
that's the number one thing. Because sometimes people say, well, I just love this thing. And then they can't find anyone who's making enough money doing it. This is the thing I find a very especially in the craft industry. Mm -hmm. If you don't find people who are making the kind of money that you want to make, you're going to feel very frustrated. So mm -hmm. you either have to do things differently than them. That's something I tell people, like you might have to do something totally the same niche, but you're gonna have to think of, oh, you're gonna have to think outside the box on how you're going to make money doing it. Or go find something else that you're also passionate about. Most of us are passionate about five or six things. Like we love, like for me, I love fabric. I love crafting. I love decorating my house. I mean, so there are lots of things that I like to do. It's just a matter of choosing the one that's going to be the most profitable and make the most sense for me to use my time wisely with. I think Very that good advice to every business that you go into. Mm -hmm. And tell us about Design Suite, what it is and how it came about. Yeah. So uh, for about 13 years, I owned my own design business. And the average a designer makes is about $50,000 in the marketplace. So if you came out of the University of Minnesota, which is where I taught, you would probably make fifty dollars to $60,000 if you were lucky working in-house for any number of brands, Target, 3M, like any, I'm, I'm naming ones that were in Minnesota with me, right? So kind mm -hmm. of, kind of that. Um, when I was the creative director of a scrapbooking company, I um, negotiated deals for designers to come on and I was able to get them up to about $80,000. Okay. So like if someone really wants you and you're in a good niche, like some maybe book illustration or something else, you can, you, if you have a good network, you might be able to have people negotiate to help get you up in financially. Wow. What I teach is the thing I do, which is I design online for myself. That's where I make the most money in different online platforms and shops. Okay. So those shops, I make a large volume of products and I sell them digitally. And so people use them. I support it with YouTube videos so that people know how to create the things that I'm showing them how to make. So, um, based on that, I started doing this and I started making anywhere from 150 to $250,000 a year. And people, like, I didn't really tell a lot of people that, but like they started kind of seeing like some of the stuff I was doing, how I was able to outsource. Like I had a VA and I had like all this stuff and people started sending me DMs like, will you ever teach design? And I had taught a little bit of design very early on, mm. but like, they were like, would you ever consider teaching this or will you take an intern? That was like the biggest question. Everybody wanted to be my intern. Oh. Of course, you know, they all yeah. wanted to be my intern. And I was like, no, I, like I'm not doing that. And so finally I kind of caved and I just said, there was a couple of things that happened. First of all, I kind of got a little bored. If I'm being honest, like 13 years of doing this, I was really, I have something like 10,000 products out there. So oh like I started having to stretch myself to make really crazy things. Right. Ooh. And I, I, I kind of started thinking about what would it be like to teach in a way I'd never taught before? Could I teach university style online? And that was really in a lot of ways promoted by COVID. The fact that so many mm -hmm. started getting used to the idea of zoom, you know, yeah. before that people weren't used to it. And so it was a little scary to try to start a program where, cause I, I really felt like I didn't want to just do a course yeah, I could do a course and I could give you a course. But I was like, what would happen if you actually came to a meeting with me and I critiqued your work like I would if you were sitting in my classroom at the University of Minnesota, right? Like what, like what, how could I make it so that it felt more like that personalized experience? 
And that's how Design Suite was born. Mm. It was literally born out of how could we make a program that was live, but had course component to it so that we could be looking at everyone's work. Because the problem Mm. in design is it's different than like maybe like being a lawyer. Like if you're, so my husband's an attorney. So like my husband, like if he's doing a certain number of things, like you can learn the correct documentation to do X, Y, and Z, right? Well, in design, everybody has a different design style. So you almost really have to have like a mentor or a professor looking at your work to critique it, to be like, hey, I think you need to change that color. We need to move this in here. I think you need to do all caps here. Why don't we try Bembo as your typography? Because I think that'll give it that Italian vibe we're looking for. Like you almost need mentorship to get your design work where it needs to go. Mm, Um, And it needs to be on a more individual level. And I was like, how do we provide that Mm -hmm. on an online space? And it took us a lot of time to figure that out because I can do it zoom like here, you know, and do coaching. We got Mm -hmm. to a point, this was last year. We got to a point where those meetings were four hours long. And I was like, cause we have so many members in our program now. And I was like, this cannot go on. We can't do it this way. So we now actually have a method of people turning in work and then we do a video. Um, and it can be anywhere from five minutes to 20 minutes long. You're getting like personalized help, and you can turn in as much as you want in our program. Oh, like you can turn in every three days, every week, once a month, how often you want. And we come back, turn around my coaches and myself, edit and talk to every single person and their design work. Oh, that's, mm-hmm. that sounds very challenging right. and, and very interesting. Right. Would you pull back the curtain a bit on fabric and craft design and tell our audience what goes into it? What does the work entail? Yeah. So we're kind of to the point. This used to not be completely this case. Like in the 80s and 90s, we're still screen printing as designers, right? We're still doing lithography. Some of the things you saw like Toulouse-Lautrec doing in the 1800s. Like Mm -hmm. we're still doing some of those (laughs) methods. There's like still like printing methods. Then comes along this darn computer. And we, uh, I will tell you, it's so interesting because I, the years I was teaching, 2000 and uh, two to 2006 during that time period, it was like the great revolution in software. There was a, uh, a semester I was teaching graphic design foundations. I was working on my doctorate. I walk into the classroom two weeks early to start working on lesson plans. And my professors all tell me, Hey, just so you know, cork took away our licensing. You now have to learn Adobe InDesign, which was brand new. And so All of us who were teaching during that time period were learning software as it was coming out. And Mm. now you guys don't see Cork on the market anymore. That was probably one of the worst things they did, right? Because they took away the licensing from college students. Guess when college students leave school and they go start working for people, guess what? They're the ones who determine the software that's bought. So whatever they learn in school is what they're going to be using in their at Target or wherever they're working. Yeah. So guess what they asked for? They asked for Adobe. Who's the biggest software platform now? Adobe. Yeah. yeah. So the industry yeah. standard at this point is Adobe Illustrator and Photoshop. So that's what we teach. We teach InDesign as well, but mostly Illustrator because we find that most people, if we can just teach them Illustrator, they are pretty good um, throughout. And mm. so in the fabric world and the crafting world at this point, you have to know Adobe Illustrator. So if you can learn that software, there's a lot of technical components to it, but it's actually easier than people make it. They, they kind of feel like, oh, it's super stressful. I'm like, 
It's super fun if you do it slowly, if you do it step by step and you just get faster and faster and faster in it. Mm-hmm. So, um, so the curtain drawn back is this, you have to know software at this point. It used to not be that way. And, um, almost everyone that gets in it, they're frustrated for about three months yeah. and then it just starts getting easier and easier and easier. And I will tell you the thing that has happened that's made it very easiest is the iPad and the Apple Pen. So Mm -hmm. now we don't require our students to have it, but it sure makes life easier. If they have an Apple Pen with an iPad, they can start usually drawing much quicker because it feels way more regular and normal. And then they can learn production values directly on their computer with Illustrator. Mm -hmm. Um, So for fabric, when I'm doing a fabric collection, I actually just finished working on a new one that probably won't come out until 2025 um, because you're about a year ahead of time on fabric designs. So, Mm. um, the collection I just worked on probably took me about a week and a half. Most of my time spent on a weekend trying to get it ready to go. Um, you're choosing a color palette. Um, I am particularly known for florals. So I always come out with a floral line, um, in for, I work for Riley Blake. So there are six patterns usually in a Riley Blake line and three collections that all kind of coordinate together. So all 18 fabrics need to be able to work together. And my most recent line is behind me. If you're if you're watching on YouTube or something like that, you can see a fabric line behind me. That's some of the pieces and I'll just grab one. You guys can see it. So this is oh, the master good. in that oh, collection. Oh, beautiful. Okay. And the rest of the line is built off to, usually off the master. So based on what I create here, then we're going to create blenders. We're going to create um, geometric. So there's Damask in this particular line that's going to go along with it. So mm. crafting's a little different, not collections, all usually one-offs. And I actually, I feel like I should show you, I wish I could show you the big stuff but I'll show you just this. So this is like a die cutting file. This is a simple one. And, and just and for our YouTube, for our people who are just listening, it's a, ha- it's a little house. Yeah. It's just a little house and it's just done with two pieces of paper. So you have to think three dimensionally flat because you're like doing it all flat and you have to think, how can I make this into a three dimensional piece where you're just folding up all the pieces and hot gluing all the pieces together? Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah. Points. I love that. What yeah. kinds of challenges have you found working with manufacturers? Um, okay. I think the biggest thing with manufacturing is just getting the deal to begin with, right? Like mm, most yeah, people, sure. they, they're really excited about it. They want to own a business in fabric or they want to own a business in, uh, you know, they want to make the planners that Target comes out with or whatever. It is very hard to get a licensing deal. It's almost Mm -hmm. impossible these days. So if you're thinking you're going to run your business off that, just don't. Instead, I would recommend going online, which is what we teach our designers to do. So you start online, start making money, like actually start making money, which is you can do that online. Working with manufacturers is hard because very often, like if I get really excited about a look or a feel, one of my manufacturers might say, you know, Karina, we like this line. It's not really in your brand, so we don't want to make it. We want you to make something that's a little closer to your brand. Mm. 
So like you don't have as much, you have lots of creative freedom, but not as much as everybody thinks you have. Um, I have a couple of little boy fabric lines I did very early on in my career when I still was experimenting with what my brand was all about. And, um, you know, I don't think there is a chance that any of my manufacturers would let me come out with a line like that now. So, um, I, I do think, I do think you can get pigeonholed after a while. Um, I certainly have seen that. And I also Um, think, um, second lines. So especially for fabric manufacturers, I see this a lot. Your first line that you send in, you've worked on for a year to make perfect, to make beautiful. You send it in, they accept you, you get it in and then you never come out with a second line. And the reason you don't come out with a second line is because you put something together. You're like, I've got, I'm in, so I should be good. Right. But the second line isn't as strong as the first line. So the manufacturer doesn't take it. Mm -hmm. And so then I see like, it's like a mindset thing at that point with designers where they're just like, Uh well, I wasn't good enough. And I, can't make it. And it's crappy. I don't like it. So a lot of times when we teach in our program, we're trying to teach baseline design principles because the problem is getting a one hit wonder is not where any of us want to be. Right. Right. The second line has to feel as strong. You have to be as good of a designer as you were with the first line. That's Mm -hmm. great advice for everybody. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What did it take for you to build a multi-million dollar business in three years, just three years? And it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's been crazy. I'm going to tell you this. I was thinking about this today um, because my team is quite not large, large, but it's large for what we do. Right. I, I just don't know very many teams who in the design business in particular that have a team that's like mine. We're in the middle of hiring for three more positions. Um, like to grow this fast means that, um, you have to be the most adaptable CEO in the world, like to, to really know and pivot when you see something is not working. And Mm -hmm. I will say even now, like the last eight or nine weeks, we've been moving into a brand new software and this software is kicking our butts. It just oh. is. <laughs> it is. It's great software, but it's a transition from five other softwares into a single software. Oh. And so the entire team, it has affected everybody's jobs. And because of that, when there are little things that don't work here and little things that don't work here and everyone's frustrated, it's like, oh my gosh, like just today, text. Well, two days ago, texting turned off. And what happened to Tammy today, her calendar started acting up and showing up things that weren't, you know, was supposed to be in there. So it's like, everybody's like all of our processes and systems, like you're like rebuilding everything. We've probably rebuilt, um, in this three year period, we're about to hear it three years. We've probably rebuilt our processes and systems. I would say at least every six months. Uh. You wear so many hats. You really do. I can't even believe it. But how would you tell people to think outside the box to create a business? And also, how might one go about developing a a program unique to their skill set? Yeah, I think this is honestly the thing that we need the most in the world right now. Because colleges Uh and universities can't keep up with what individuals can actually give and do. So if you are out there and you're doing something special, special, and I'm saying like, it can be as, 
as insignificant in your mind that you are probably really excellent at, like pickling, uh, canning pickles. Like it could be that, like, that's the thing you love to do. You love canning and you love whatever you can create a program around that. It's like Uh so crazy, not just a course, but a program. Like you can help people, real people individually. And I went into this going, if I can just help one person, it's going to be worth it. And so I really focused on the individual. I think Mm -hmm. a lot of people nowadays, they think about online. They think about like, how, like, how can I get the most people into my program or my course just to take my course? And I was like, we're going to think about this totally different. We're not going to try to get the most people. We're going to get the most qualified people. We're going to get people who really want this, who are excited about this, and that we can actually change their lives. And it's a totally different way of thinking. I'm not seeing it a lot anywhere else. And that's probably one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give to any of you who are new business owners. I want you to think about yourself and how much money you should or need to make. And then I want you to think about how you can affect lives. Because if you can help one person, and yes, it might be a little bit bigger of a price point, because I will tell you our our price point is expensive, but that's why we can do so much touching. Like we can actually help people. Um, So whatever it is, the passion, the thing that you're excellent at, if you can turn that into a course that maybe has a component where you actually help people and you meet with them online or you meet with them in person once a year or whatever it is, that's the component. You guys, everybody's talking about AI right now. That's the component AI can't do. It really right. is. Right. It mm-hmm. sounds like you're building a strong community from all of your programs. Is that the case? That is That is the thing to come out of this that I had no idea was going to happen. Our people will not leave. Like we, we have people who've been in the whole three years. They won't go. We, in fact, yeah, we started building upper programs for them because they want, and then they kept saying, Karina, we want to meet in person. So we had two live meetings last year. Like they, we do things to make sure that our people leave our program with friends. And in fact, we know that there are several groups within the groups that we have that they meet in person. They go on vacation together now. They like they love being together. And a lot of it is singleness of purpose. Like they're all new at design, so they want to be great designers, but they're all creative. They're all smart. They're all working through technology they've never worked through before. So there's a kind of synergy and community that gets built when you're frustrated, but you're getting help. And you see that you're all in the same boat trying to do something. Mm -hmm. And we do a lot of talking about money in our program. And not a lot of programs that are like, I think business programs talk about money, but we're a design program. But we talk about money. We talk about how long it's going to take. We really relish first sales. Like people get on, we have a digital, we use Marco Polo in our group. So people are talking to each other all the time. Um, so it's a lot of face to face, you guys, in a very weird way, because we're all virtual. Everyone feels like they know each other and, um, they will come on. They'll be like, Oh my gosh, you guys, I uploaded my first thing. Oh my gosh, I got my first sale. Oh my gosh, you guys, I made, I just got 50 cells, you know? So there's a lot of winning that's going on. And because of that, um, and there's also lots of losing. Here's the thing. Um, especially the demographic that you guys know, we are in the age where, People are caring for parents. People are caring for loved ones. Um, losses. Just someone just recently lost their brother in our community. Some, I, last year, I sent out flowers to several people who yeah. lost their mother. Like, this is like, 
you get to share that. Like this is like your life is part of our design community, whether you're designing or not, right? Like it's just about creativity and living your life. And so if you can't design this week because your mom passed away, you can't design. You just can't design. And we want to know about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Now, talk about the benefits of online education in your field and why you decided to create create the online design program. Yeah. I that, mean that sounds great to me. It it is um it's been challenging because right, I taught in a university classroom. There's a lot of awesomeness in being able to actually be with people, right? When you're with people, you can look over their shoulder at their computer, adjust their mm-hmm. design work, make it look really good. But, um, you know, I have been surprised online in some ways works out better than in mm. person because there are a couple of things that happen. First of all, you get basically all your coaches and professors at the same time, which, you know, if I go into a university classroom, mm-hmm. you get one, you know, and you're, you're kind of dictated by one. This way, they get a lot of input. Furthermore, we're at a stage in life where, in some ways, community is as much of a resource for us than just having some expert. Yeah, I might be the expert, but when I say something, but then also your peer, three other peers say, you know, I like that. I think you should do it that way. Then you're more likely to use that design and get excited about putting it up and selling it. Right. And so Mm -hmm. I actually think we've been able to create a more worldwide uh, community I mean, we have people in Australia, we have people in Canada, we have people in the UK who are in this program. And it's just a really beautiful thing. I couldn't have reached all these people otherwise. Mm. Yeah. Of course not. That's amazing. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's so powerful. And everybody becomes your mentor then. Would you tell it's us true. about your book, Design, Profit, and Prosper, and also yes. about your podcast? Yes. So I have... This is the book I came out with last year, Design, Profit, and Prosper, and it is an easy read. Uh, I went and I lectured at a university last year just on a weekend. Like I came in as a like a, a, a walk-in artist. They asked me to come lecture to their students. So I went to the art department and I showed them this book. And I couldn't believe the number of kids who were like, oh, I got your book last night and I read it in four hours. I was just done. I was just like, what? That's crazy. It's meant to be an easy read. It has models in it to teach you how to be profitable. And they're simpler than most people think. They're meant to really help you move the needle in your business. So if you're looking to be a designer, this really helps. If you're a creative of any time, like a musician, an author, the principles still apply. So you just have to kind of like, warp it a little bit. Um, My oldest daughter is autistic. She's in animation. My middle daughter is an author. She's in high school and I have a son who's, who's much younger, but the principles we use in design suite, we still use the exact same ones we use in authorship and we use it in animation as well. So if either of them wanted to ever start their own businesses, it, for creatives, it's pretty much the same thing. It's very often the same thing. It's just really finding your right niche, finding your people, right? And volume. People mm-hmm. don't like to talk about this because it feels like it's so much work, but it's volume. You know, I think early in the podcast, I said that I have 10,000 products. Volume yeah. is the key Ooh. to a lot of things. Yeah. But it's so excruciating to keep track of all that. You know, you have to well, be organized. she has a team too. You have to be um, organized. Yeah. What yeah. about your podcast? 
Uh, my podcast is, uh, we, we started it. It's been two, it's like two and a half years old now. I think we're on episode, we're in the four hundreds, I think, because we do three a week. Yeah, we do three a week. Yeah. So making um, us seem like sluffers. No, you're not. We do one a week. No, but I I love how you do it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the podcast format is different. That's why. That's the only reason. So everyone says, how do you do it? And I said, well, we're talking here for an hour and giving you like a really in-depth conversation. Mine is a little more sound bites. So there might be an episode. Most episodes are, I would say, are 15 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So it's a shorter format. Format podcast to give you sound bites. A lot of that had to do with the fact that I lost my earbud. Uh, a lot of that had to do with the fact that I had a lot of moms who were, um, their kids were in high school still. They had the last little bit of high school or they have college kids. And so they're, they're driving and flying and all the crazy things, or they're taking care of grandkids. And, um, so what we found was if we could give them 15 minutes of good design knowledge very quickly, that it was a drive. It was like a, you know, mm-hmm. they're going to go to carpool or they were going to go yeah. whatever. So we, they felt like they were accomplishing things by quickly finishing an episode that was on one specific topic. And that's so highly motivating for people. If they can just get a little knowledge in a short time, go out and do something with it. What would you like our audience to have as a takeaway today, Karina? Oh my gosh. Well, I think the biggest takeaway and the thing I'm seeing over and over and over again for at least my designers. And if you're a creative or someone who wants to start a business in your encore career or in your, even we get lots of people who are retired, they're retired and they need to do something and they want to make a little bit of money and they want to be creative. Tons of those. Like Mm -hmm. I can think of all their names on the top of my head. They're amazing. Um, some ways they're my favorites because they, they really exude creativity. Like they're like doing all the things. I want to tell you that it is always possible to create something creative for yourself. It is always possible. I I think this whole idea that like we've got to do it early in life or we've got to do it at a certain time of life is actually nonsense. I think you have every right in every stage of life to find what it is you really want to do and to do it. So, um, and, and now that we see it all the time, women making money who are starting careers at 65, like to me, that's the most powerful, amazing thing. Um, and the number of people I've seen, like the list that goes around on Instagram of really big uh, retailers, you know, KFC, Home Depot, these are all people who started in their fifties and sixties. And so I think there's so much power in actually starting something you really want to do. Um, in your boomer years, in the years that are exciting for you to do what you want to do. And I do have a freebie for you guys. So if you guys want, um, my new book is called make art that sells. I'm going to, if you're not on the video, I am going to just pop it up so you can see it. It's called make art that sells. And it is a formula for figuring out how you can kind of put in all these little pieces to get going. And you don't have to buy the book if you just want to get the masterclass for free from me for it. If you go to makeartbook.com um, the, and click on the link there for the masterclass, use the code makeart and it will zero out the cost of the class for you and you can just take it for free. It's about six lessons. Um, 
it's fun. It's really fun because Make Art the Cells, I decided to pull from artists. So every chapter features an artist. So Van Gogh and um, Monet and Picasso and Norman Rockwell and Yayo Kosama. And so if you want to be introduced to some artists or you love some artists, you'll see how I kind of use them just as little examples of why they're, what they're doing can contribute to what you should be doing as an artist. Oh, oh I, I love, love that. that. That's yeah. great. It's, it's going to be fantastic. Thank you so much. And thank you, Karina. Oh, I'm, I'm ordering it. <laughs> um, our guest today on Late Boomers has been Karina Gardner, CEO of Design Suite, podcast host of Make and Design, author of Design, Profit and Prosper, and now Make Art Sells. Uh, and head of the Karina Gardner and Minnie Lou brands that you might have seen in stores and museums. You can get in touch with Karina at designsweetcourses.com. That's S-U-I-T-E. And learn more about her at karinagardner.com or get the masterclass for free at makeartbook.com. Thank you again. And we're grateful to our listeners. And we want to ask you to please subscribe to our YouTube channel, Late Boomers Podcast, where you can watch the video version of our podcast. Also, please subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and give us a five-star review. Pretty please. We are on Instagram at I am Kathy Worthington and at I am Mary Elkins and at Late Boomers. Let us know if we have inspired you to take action. Thanks so much again, Karina. Thanks for having me, you guys. Thank you for joining us on Late Boomers, the podcast that is your guide to creating a third act with style, power, and impact. Please visit our website and get in touch with us at lateboomers.biz. If you would like to listen to or download other episodes of Late Boomers, go to EWNpodcastnetwork.com. This podcast is also available on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and most other major podcast sites. We hope you make use of the wisdom you've gained here and that you enjoy a successful third act with your own style, power, and impact. <laughs>